Our Bible topic this week is out of Zechariah chapter 6, the man whose name is the branch. Interesting topic. Verse 1, I turned and raised my eyes and looked, and behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. So Zechariah is getting this vision, seeing these horses and chariots. We've kind of seen this in the earlier part of Zechariah, and Revelation mentions chariots and horses, or horses anyway. And with the first chariot were red horses, and with the second chariot were black horses, with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot dappled horses, strong steeds. And I answered and I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel answered, These are four spirits of heaven who go out from the stations before the Lord all of all the earth. So he's got these four different chariots coming, different colors, and they're going forth, and they're going forth from the Lord, representing God's Spirit going throughout all the earth. Verse 6, And one of the black horses, the one with the black horses, is going to the north country, the white are going after them, and the dappled are going toward the south country. The strong steeds went out, eager to go, that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, go, walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, see, these who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. Okay, so you got two sets of chariots going to the north country, the, the black and then the white following them going towards the north country. The other one, one of them going down to the south country and one going throughout the earth. So what about east and west? How come he doesn't have any... Chariots and horses going to the east or to the west? Two going north, one going south, one going all the earth. How come no one's going east and west? Where was Zechariah when he wrote this? What? Jerusalem, yeah, he's in Jerusalem, right? And what is west of Jerusalem? What was west of Israel? The Mediterranean Sea, right. So you don't need to send any horses to the Mediterranean Sea. That's okay. It's okay over there. There weren't any, you know, major uh, uh, maritime sailors coming over there. And how about going east? What's to the east? Desert. Yeah, there's desert out there, right? There's nothing to the east. There's just sand out there to the east, some camels out there. So there's no worry out of the east. The worry is out of the north, because that's how Babylon would attack. And other Syrians and others have attacked through there, even though Babylon as a bird flu would be straight east, but he, to attack, he'd have to go north and then come down upon Israel over the Fertile Crescent, not across the desert, and south would be Egypt, and so possible attacks there. So they're worried, they've been, you know, again, rebuilding the temple at this time, Zechariah is there, and, and uh, 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 Haggai is prophesying, and, and Zerubbabel, the governor, and Yeshua, Ben Yehoshadak, and, and they're working hard to build up the temple again, and, and, and they've got concerns. There are enemies around them. Who knows if, what's Babylon going to do, what's Egypt going to do? And so God sends a message of comfort. Don't worry, I've got my chariots, I've got my angels, I've got my horsemen, and they're going and they're protecting you. They're over there. I've sent two chariots worth up to the north, and they have, as it says, those that went toward the north country have given rest, to my spirit in the north country. 
you're okay, things are okay, Darius is not going to stop you as his previous kings did, he's going to allow it to continue, keep up your work, keep up the hand to the, to the plow, keep on doing what I've called you to do. And to the south, I've got to check on there, and I've got, my eyes are out throughout the earth. And as we go about our work, as we go about our lives, as we go about sharing the gospel with the world, we have reason to be concerned. The devil is not happy. He wants to stop God's work from moving forward. And he does, and he tries in many different ways. But we have the assurance God is over it all. God sees it all. God sends out his messengers. God is at work as well. For a time, they had to stop building the temple. Cyrus, a number of years before this, a few years before this, Cyrus had allowed the decree to start the work. Then it got stopped. But then Darius came along and got it restarted again. And so in our work for the Lord, sometimes things are moving forward and sometimes there's, there's setbacks. But God is still in control. And he is still marching forward. He's still moving forward. Step by step, day by day, through the trials, through the struggles, through the difficulties, we have that assurance and we can trust in him. And this is a promise to them. This is that first little vision in this chapter 6. And then he goes on to another whole thought, maybe a whole other vision. Verse 9, the word of the Lord came to me saying, receive the gift from the captives, from Heldei, uh, Tovia, and Jediah, who have come from Babylon. And go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make an elaborate crown and set it on the head of Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the Kohen Gadol. Now we've talked about this Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak before. He was the Kohen Gadol, a literal person there. But very interesting name. Yeshua as the Savior means Savior, means uh, salvation. Savior to come, the Messiah came, same name. And he's the son, Ben, Jehozadak. He's the son of the righteous God. Very wonderful name. Wouldn't that be a great name to have? <laughs> to be the Savior who is the son of the righteous God? Very interesting parallels. And so God is telling Zechariah to take this gift that has come from the captives in Babylon and make an elaborate crown and put it on him, on Yeshua, the son of Jehoshadak, who is the Kohen Gadol the high priest. Put a crown on him. Now what did the Kohen Gadol, what did the Kohen Gadol wear? What did the Bible say the Kohen Gadol is supposed to wear? On his head. A hat with a metal band on it that said holiness to the Lord. Right? Not an elaborate crown, but a holiness to the Lord and a mitre on his head, a hat on his head. But here, He's saying, make an elaborate crown. Who wears crowns? Kings wear crowns. Come back to that thought. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch. And from his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. And he shall be a Kohen on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Okay, there's a lot here in these verses, a couple of verses, so let's take a look at it slowly. Speak to him. Who's the him? Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose, come, whose name is the branch. And we'll come back to this branch thing because it's mentioned again in this chapter. It was mentioned in another place in Zechariah and it's mentioned in other places in the Bible. So we'll come back to that. But this branch is a man. He's a man, the man, not a man, the man whose name is the branch. Singular man whose name is singular, the branch. And from his place, who's the his place? Who's his? From his place, he shall branch out. Right, so who's the he that will branch out? The branch, right. So if the branch is branching out, whose place is he branching out from? Who's the his? Thus says the Lord of hosts. The man who is the branch from his place, from the Lord of hosts' place, will branch out and shall build the temple of the Lord. So we have here the Lord of hosts, the temple of the Lord, and we have this man who is the branch. Two entities, the Lord, who is the Lord of hosts, and the man who is the branch. He shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. Two times it says that. Now we were already told and promised in another chapter in Zechariah that Zerubbabel started the work of the building of the temple and he was going to finish it. An assurance and a promise. Don't worry, Zerubbabel. Keep your hand to the task, you will finish the work. But here it's saying, this man, this branch, is going to build the temple of the Lord. Twice. Why? Who's going to do it? Is Zerubbabel going to do it? Or is this man, the branch, going to do it? Or is Zerubbabel going to do it by the power of the branch? Is he going to do it by the ability, by the man who is the branch, that gives him the authority and the power to do it? Or are there two temples that are being referred to here? Come back to that thought in a little bit. And he shall bear the glory. Whose glory? The Lord of hosts' glory. He's the only one who has glory, right? So this man, this branch, will bear the glory of heaven and shall sit and rule on his throne. Who sits on thrones? Kings. And he shall be a Cohen on his throne. So we have two thrones, the Cohen on his throne and rule on his throne. So we have the Lord of hosts sitting on his throne. You have the Cohen sitting on his throne. But again, Cohens don't sit on thrones. Kings sit on thrones. So how can the Cohen sit on a throne? How can a Cohen receive an elaborate crown? Cohen is the priesthood, the intercessor. The king is a different role. Now there are three different individuals in the Bible that received an anointing. An anointing is where we get the term Moshiach from. In Hebrew, we get the term Messiah. In English, three different anointings, three different Moshiachs. The prophets were anointed. The Kohen Gadol was anointed. And the king was anointed. Three different positions. In this two verses, all three are mentioned. The man, the branch, a prophet, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, and the throne of the king, all anointed ones. All three stages of the Messiah. 
the Messiah who came became a man, lived on earth, tempted in all ways like as we are, who has branched out all around the world, is now ministering in the heavenly sanctuary for us as our Kohen Gadol, interceding for us, pleading his blood in our behalf, and who will come the second time as the Kohen Gadol to judge and separate the wheat and the tares, the good and the bad, the righteous and the wicked. And then he will come a third time as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All three mentioned in these two verses. So how can a, a Kohen be a king? If he's, because what, what line, what tribe did the Kohens come from? Which line? Someone said it. The Levites, the Levites, right. Which line did the kings come from? Judah. Two different, totally different tribes. But God's saying here, there's going to be this unique thing that's going to happen. A unique one who's going to come, who's going to represent both tribes. Yeshua, who is of the tribe of David, of, jo of Judah, but who would also intercede for us as a Kohen. Is there any precedent for that? We go back before the sanctuary, before the temple, before there was Levites, before there were 12 tribes. We go back to the time of Abraham. And Abraham comes in contact with a man named Melchizedek, which means righteous king. So he's a king, and he's the king of Salem, Salom, king of peace, Jerusalem, city of peace. He is the king, and he's also referred to as the priest of the Most High God. So Melchizedek, a unique one who is the priest and king at the same time, and Abraham gives tithe to him, who has no beginning, no end, no lineage, representing the Messiah to come, who would be this unique priest and king, two different roles at two different times. It's all being mentioned and brought together. All those aspects, all those different verses from Hebrews, from Genesis, all coming together here in this Kohen Gadol with the name Yeshua ben Yehozadak, righteous God, son of the righteous God. All coming together as one. All these different Bible passages coming together and blending together in these two verses. Uh, and then this Kohen Gadol, with his name, Yeshua, son of Yehozadak, receiving an elaborate crown and sitting on a throne. Because Yeshua, the man, the branch, has become the Kohen Gadol, and he will be the righteous king, sitting on a throne with an elaborate crown upon his head. He's all three. He's all things to us. He's our prophet. He shows us the way. He came and suffered for us and led as our example in dying for us as a suffering servant, as a rejected prophet. He is currently interceding in our behalf. Our lawyer for, our, our, for us, our advocate for us. And he is also our Lord and our King. Giver of the word director of the path for us to go on, the one who leads the way and directs the way and commands the way.
He's all things. He's everything we need. All wrapped up into one, the beautiful one, the three different aspects, three different Moshiachs, prophet, priest, and king, all in one being, and all coming together here in these two verses. Verse 8, Hear, O Yeshua, the, the Kohen Gadol, you and your companions who sit before you, for they, are a wondrous sign, for they are a wondrous sign, for behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. In Zechariah's day, he's saying, I am bringing forth, future tense for Zechariah, my servant, a man who's a branch, now a servant who's the branch. Did Yeshua come sitting on a throne? Did Yeshua come part of the priesthood? No, he came born in a sheep pen with no one around, but with brought gifts like a king and who lived as a servant, washing his disciples' feet at the Passover Seder, came to serve. And Isaiah 53, says, my servant will suffer. And it goes on, the suffering of that servant in that powerful, wonderful chapter, describing the suffering of the Messiah, born again in a humble way, living in a humble way, no outward show to attract us to us, no popularity to attract us to him, and being rejected, and being beaten, and suffering in our behalf. The servant who is the branch. In Isaiah chapter 11, it mentions this branch too. And there shall come forth a shoot from the stem of Jesse, a branch out of his roots. So before, in the verses before, it's talking in conjunction with Yeshua, son of Jehoshadak, a Kohen Gadol. But here now he's saying a branch of Jesse, of the, of the Judaic line, Judah line because he's from both, in a sense, spiritually. Literally, he came through Judah. And shall, brand, it shall be a branch out of his roots. In Isaiah chapter four, verse two, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. The branch. Now, when you think of a branch, what's a branch for? What are branches for? What do branches make you think of? How do you use a branch? Branching out from a tree. Well, branches are where the fruit is, right? There's very few trees, if any, that I know of that grow their fruit on the stem, on the, on the trunk, you know, or out of the roots, right? They come off on trees out of the branches. So it provides for us, provides substance for us. And on a hot day here in Florida, you want to park your car under a shady tree. There's a major difference, right? If you can park in your garage, there's a major difference. Or under a carport, or under a shade of a tree, under a branch of a tree. Major, major difference when you get in that car in the summertime. Whether you're going to burn your hands on the steering wheel and the heat of that. Major difference. Under the cooling protection of the shade. If you're out walking, working, if you can get under a shade, if you can get under a tree, oh, it's so much different. So it gives comfort, it gives protection, gives a shade from the heat, from the heat of this world, the pressure of this world, the troubles of this world. 
If it's a horrible rainstorm, as long as it's not lightning, you know, a horrible rainstorm and you can't get inside a building, well, then get under a branch. Get under a big branch with lots of leaves on it. And it'll give you some protection from the rain. Protects. Branch protects. Branches reach out. And give comfort, give shade. In a dream, Nebuchadnezzar was described as a big tree with huge branches providing fruit and comfort and protection over all kinds of animals. This branch that branches out from the Lord. He reaches out to us. He's reached out all around the earth to provide for our needs, to provide for our necessities, to provide for our sustenance, to provide for our lives, and to provide comfort to our soul through troubles and through difficulties, through trials from disappointments. He is the branch, the man who is the branch who shoots forth from David's line, who is of the Messiah, who will sit on his throne, who will become a servant, who will become a man, to be tempted in all ways like as we are, to understand our sufferings, to know what it's like to cry, to know what it's like to hurt, to know what it's like to bleed, to know what it's like to be disappointed, to know what it's like to be rejected, who suffers for us and could comfort us in relating to us and understanding us. This man, this branch, this servant, this king, this intercessor, this Kohen Gadol, all in one, Yeshua, our Messiah. Verse 14, now the elaborate crown shall be for a memorial in the temple of the Lord, for Halim, for Tovia, for Jediah, and for the kindness of the son of Zephaniah. So it said in earlier verses, it said, take that elaborate crown, build that elaborate crown, and put it on the head of Yeshua ben Jehozadak. But now it's saying, now take that crown and put it in the temple as a memorial there. As you're building this temple, it's going to be a sign that we're going to finish building the temple, the temple's going to be used, and I want this there as a memorial. Like the manna's there as a memorial, like Aaron's rod that's there as a memorial, I want this crown to be in that temple as a memorial. And I imagine that crown stayed there all the way through to 70 AD when it was destroyed by the Romans. All the way through the finishing of the building by Zerubbabel and Yeshua and Zechariah and Haggai and the people. All the way through until another 60 or so years come and, and Ezra and Nehemiah come and, and expand on it and elaborate more on it, build the walls around it more. All the way for a hundred, several hundred years more until Herod comes and makes it even more elaborate. Imagine this crown remained there as a witness, as a testimony of the gifts that came from Babylon. Under Cyrus, only a, unfortunately, only a few of the percentage of Jewish people came back to build up the temple of the Lord. Most stayed in Babylon. Maybe ease, comfort, at least you know what you got. You got a job, you got a home, you know what's there. Why go to a country that you haven't, weren't even ever there, hadn't been 70 years, no one was there? You heard the walls are broken down, the cities are broken down, there's no plumbing, there's no water, there's no food, there's no farms. Why are you going to go there? Not only starting from scratch, you've got to start from destruction of the rubble and moving all the rocks and stones and weeds before you get to construct. Who would want to do that? Unless you heard the Lord's call. And the Lord did call. So many stayed there. But at least these three, even in their still stayed in Babylon, they send gifts. 
And God recognizes those gifts that came. So as the missionaries went forward, as the workers went forward, God recognized the gifts that went. That maybe these people were older and couldn't make the trip or whatever. They sent gifts and God recognized it. Didn't say go use that food to, to feed the hungry poor or to go buy a farm or something. He said, no, build an elaborate crown with it. Seems like a waste. Yeshua ben Yehoshadak only gets to wear it for maybe a few minutes, maybe a few hours. Before they take it and say, okay, now let's put it in the temple as a memorial. It just sits there in the temple. Elaborate crown. Not just any crown, use most of the money. No, take that money, take that silver, take that gold, make an elaborate crown. Because it was important. Stayed there for hundreds of years, it must have been important. An important memorial. What could have been used with those funds? But it was an important statement. That the man, that the Lord would become a man. That he would branch out. That he would intercede for us through his blood and that he would be king. That's an important message. To rule as Lord of Lords, it doesn't matter what the governments now say. It doesn't matter what the bosses now say. It doesn't matter what the landlords now say. It doesn't matter what the power players now say. Because the Lord is Lord, he is king, he is over it all. He's the only one we have to fear, he's the only one we have to look to, he's the only one we have to worry about. Fear the Lord and we don't have to fear anyone else. He's the king. Put that elaborate crown there. Because the man is coming, the branch is coming in Zach, from Zechariah's day. He will intercede and he will rule. Put that crown there as a memorial to these men who gave sacrificially so that it can be built and built there. And even those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. And then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. This shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Who are those from afar off? Who are those afar off? Who are they referring to here? Who's, who's afar off? We have the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. Who's afar off? The Gentiles, the Goyim. They will also come and build the temple of the Lord. Earlier I mentioned maybe two temples are referred to here. We have the literal temple that Zerubbabel and Zechariah and Haggai and Yeshua built up. Ezra and Nehemiah built on and Herod elaborated on. That physical temple. But God has been building a temple, and since Adam and Eve, God has been building a temple, not made with hands, not of brick and stone, but of human beings. God is building up his temple. God is building up his people. Jew and Gentile coming together, worshiping together, serving the Lord together as one unit, as Yeshua, the chief cornerstone, the foundation. And each of us as fit stones joined together, making up the temple of the Lord, which we are. God's temple. God's everlasting temple. Babylon can come and destroy Solomon's temple. Romans can come and build this other second temple. But no one can destroy God's temple. God's temple is an everlasting temple. It will never break down. It can be scattered for a time. It can be delayed in its building. But God's work moves forward. 
And stone upon stone, person upon person, are added to the Lord's house and building up the Lord's house. And will last for eternity. Even after this earth is destroyed, after every rock melts under the fervent heat, after every stone and every dirt and everything is melted under his, his presence, God's temple, God's people will endure for eternity. He is building up his temple. He is building us up. He is raising us up. Step by step, here and around the world, God's spirit is going forth. His chariots are going forth. His message is going forth with the everlasting gospel to every nation, to every tribe, to every kindred, to every people. Forgiving us and cleansing us through the sacrifice of the Messiah in our behalf. That branch, the man on the branch, died on the branch. Died on a branch, hung to a tree. Killed there, crucified there. Died on the branch. Interceding for us. Forgiving us. And yet alive and living and bearing fruit. Alive again like Aaron's rod that became alive again. And budded. And lives. It sends forth his spirit, his Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to diligently obey the voice of the Lord our God. And proof that we have the power to obey the Lord our God through his strength is the promise that God will send those from afar off to join. And that's exactly what's happened. People from around the world are following the Yeshua, the real Yeshua, not the man in Zechariah's day, but the eternal Yeshua, the son of the righteous God. People from around the world serving him, worshiping him, living for him, obeying him diligently and following in his footpath. We know he's the Lord. That's what he promised. And by this you will know, and by this we do know, God's temple is being built up today and forever. Among attempts down through the ages to silence it and shut it and to outlaw the Bible and to persecute people of God, we've remained. Attempts current, attempts in the past, we remain. Burnings, martyrdom, crusades, attacks, programs, we remain. It's miraculous. God's power, God's spirit. There must be something to it, the testimony that he is the Lord our God. And then to give us the ability to diligently obey him. That's a miracle of God. That's the power of God. And so in a moment as we pray, there's some area of this chapter that applies to your life today. Maybe you've been worried about something in the north. Maybe you've been worried about something in the south. Maybe you've been worried about your neighbors. Maybe you've been worried about your job. Maybe you've been worried about the future. Maybe someone's threatening you. Maybe someone's challenging you and harassing you. Give it to the Lord. God's sending forth his spirit. God's sending forth his chariots. God's sending forth his angels. God's sending forth his, his horsemen. To guide and direct in our lives. Sometimes he allows troubles to come. But only if he allows it. Only if he knows that somehow through it, good will come out of it and there'll be more people in the kingdom of heaven. But trust it to the Lord. Lay your problems at his feet. Trust in him. Secondly, if you're needing the branch, 
You're needing to find comfort in your, like the Lord became the man. That he understands us. He's walked where you've walked. He's held your hands. He knows what it is to cry and to feel pain. He knows what it is to suffer. You need to know somebody. You need to talk to somebody who's been through what you've been through. He is the man for you. He became human for you. Relate to him. Find comfort in him. If you need him being a comforting branch from the heat, if you're going under some pressure right now, some difficulty right now, some unknown in your future, come under his branch, come under his wings, come under his protection. Come out of the rain, come out of the heat of the, of the sun, come under his branch. Come under his leaves. If you have needs, you have needs, financial needs, Emotional needs, social needs, friends, whatever your needs are, he will provide all our needs according to his riches and glory. His tree will bear 12 matters of fruit. He'll bear all kinds of fruit for you, whatever you need. He's a glorious branch, beautiful, providing all kinds of fruit for us. You need strength, you need energy, you need healing. You need hope. Grab a hold of his fruit, grab a hold of him, grab a hold of the Lord God. She said, eat and drink of my blood. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Invite him into your heart, invite him into your life. If you've committed sins and you have sins on your record, sins from your past, guilt is hanging over you, disappointment with yourself, mistakes you've made, and you need an intercessor, you need forgiveness, you need a Kohen Gadol. You need someone there. You need Yeshua there. Pleading in your behalf. Claiming his blood for your sins. Accept his sacrifice in your behalf. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his grace. If you've been hurt, if someone has hurted you, hurt you, and you need this intercessor, you need this one to stand between you and the pain from the past, the hurt from the past, let him be that great physician let him be that healing leaf. Let him be that healing balm. Let him heal the sin-sick soul. Let him heal your hurt, and your scars, and your wounds. Let him heal you from the past. Let him branch out in your life and make all things new. If you're needing a king, you're needing direction, you're needing a Lord to tell you what to do to help you in your future, you need a ruler and a king to judge and rule over those that have hurt you and harassing you and taking advantage of you. You need a king who will rule over this world and deal with the sinister actors that are playing their game right now and claim him as king of kings, lord of lords, with his elaborate crown sitting on his throne sending forth his angels, sending forth his chariots over all the earth, to and fro throughout the earth, nothing is hidden before him. If you're needing to claim him as your king right now, as your Lord, as your Savior, and as your king, in the moment as we pray, claim him as king. Whatever area applies to you, as a man, as a branch, as a Kohen, as a king, whatever your need is right now, or maybe some other area of need you have, that God fill that need and work that work. 
Maybe you haven't been diligently obeying the voice of the Lord your God. And you need his grace, you need his spirit to empower you. To do what you need, no need to be done. To be able to stop doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. Claim his power. Claim his might. That strong branch. Hold on to that branch. He's a strong branch. He will hold you up. He will lift you up above this earth, above the troubles of this world. Hang on to the branch and let him help you in your time of need. He'll give you the power to obey. So if any of those areas apply to you or some other area, let us pray and trust the Lord and thank him. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name. Thank you, Yeshua, for coming to this earth. Thank you for becoming like us, for becoming us, for knowing our sufferings, knowing our difficulties, knowing our struggles, knowing our temptations. Thank you for being tempted in all ways like as we are. Thank you for not yielding to sin. Give us victory and give us the power to obey diligently. Thank you for being our strong arm for us. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for branching out to us. Thank you for leaving his throne branching down to us. Thank you for interceding in our behalf. Thank you for dying for us. We praise your name and we thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are ruler, deal with all our enemies and reign in our lives, in our hearts and throughout this world. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.